Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Saints of the Most High, how many have been enjoying the I Am declarations of Jesus? I believe with each week that's passing, we're getting insight into the very nature, the very heart of the Lord. We're able to see the mind of Christ in the words that he spoke to us. And today is even more powerful. He says today, this word, today's title, I am the resurrection and the life. Glory to God. We're going to be reading this morning two verses of scripture found in the book of John chapter 11, 25 through 26. If you have it, say amen. amen. John chapter 11, verse 25. And the word of the Lord says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Woo! Hallelujah! I'm telling you, that's the word straight from the throne, from the voice of God. How many have loved ones that have gone home before us? Amen. Though he may die, he shall live. Verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Amen. I believe. You may take your seats this morning. The presence of the living God. Again, let's recap for those that might have missed one or two. Listen, by the way, if you have missed any of these messages, I challenge you to go back to YouTube and just scroll down. They're right there. Or you could go to our podcast again for free while you're vacuuming, washing dishes in your house. You know, you could put the video on or the, or the audio on and you could get this message in your spirit. Don't miss it. But the past few weeks, praise God, we opened up with... The I am declarations. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. Last week, I am the good shepherd. Praise God. And there are four more statements that we're going to get into. And today, of course, as we have saw the slide, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Glory to God. Now, let me just start out by saying this has got to be one of the most boldest, one of the most courageous, and for many, a, a so big, incomprehensible statement. But for the Lord Jesus Christ to utter these words out of his mouth, when you understand who Jesus is, who God is, and he's not a man that he can lie, and Jesus is the physical representation of God, he cannot lie. It is impossible for him to 
to lie and he utters these words to a group of people who are ready to stone him to death the minute he says these words. I am the resurrection and the life. That statement must have been jaw-dropping. They must have been confounded. What is this guy saying? I think it's one of the most amazing statements ever uttered by anyone on planet earth. No one would ever dare say such a thing. If people would even speak like that and make such a claim and try to be taken seriously, they probably would be thrown into a mental institution or in a sane asylum. But not only did Jesus declare it, he proved it. Hallelujah. And that's why we're here sitting in these pews. That's why we're here today as a group of brethren, a family, the body of Christ. Because we know what he said, he did. Hallelujah. We can learn a lot about the nature of Jesus Christ by the words that he spoke. I will challenge you for those that are even new in the faith. If, if anything, start reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But pay attention to the red letters. If you have the red letter Bible, start just reading the red letters. You'd be astonished at the words that come out of the master's mouth. Hallelujah. That alone. I know churches that only preach from the red letters. Imagine if we did that every single week for the whole year. Red letter messages. But what about his nature? What's the significance of these words? What is the significance of the statement? And more importantly, how can we apply this to our lives today? I believe we're going to dig a little deeper this morning, and I pray by the end of this message, you're going to have the answers to those questions. So let's jump right in. I've got three points. Praise the Lord. Number one, Jesus is the greatest of all personalities who has ever lived, who has ever walked on the face of planet Earth. There's no one more famous, more uh, 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 powerful than Jesus. I believe every person in every nation, every child, I believe even people that don't serve the Lord know about Jesus. The problem is many of us know the Hollywood Jesus. Many of us know weak, wimpy Jesus, a skinny dude on a little cross, and he's all tattered and beat up and worn up, and they make him look like he couldn't control anything, like he had no power, that they beat him and brutalized him, and they did beat him. They did brutalize him, but he did it of his own accord. Like we were talking last week, I have the power to lay my life down. No one takes it from me. I give it away, and I have the power to raise it up again. No one is more famous than Jesus. But think about this. What could have led Jesus to utter the words, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believes on me, though he may die, yet shall he live. What caused him to make such a bold claim? I mean, can you wrap your mind around those words? Hallelujah. So we have to start by going back one chapter earlier. In John chapter 10, verse 30, we touched a little bit about this last week. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. 
Hallelujah. That means, you know, a lot of times people say, Jesus never said he was God. Jesus, right there, he's declaring himself to be God. He is one with the Father. He had declared his deity openly and publicly. And what happened every time he would say such a thing, people would start grabbing rocks. Hallelujah. Never fails. Even today, there are pastors that say words that might hurt the heart, and people are ready to throw lettuce and tomatoes at the pastor. Praise God. If you threw a tomato at me, I'm going to catch it and I'm going to eat it because I love tomatoes. Praise God. Now watch somebody bring a tomato here next week and throw it. I'd be like, and let's open up to John. My wife be like, yo, bro. I'd rather have a tomato thrown at me than a rock, I tell you the truth. But sometimes darts come from the enemy. Sometimes stones come from the brethren. Sometimes stones come from everywhere. How how about sometimes you're flipping through the channel and your eyes get a rock thrown at it by seeing all kinds of perversions on the TV screen. Even the commercials now, they're constantly throwing rocks at God's people. Hollywood hates Christianity. There are actual actresses and actors that say, I hate Christians. If you're a Christian, don't watch my movies. I don't even want you to watch my movies. I'm like, check. No money coming from this pocket. Hallelujah. You see, they think that they, because of their money, or because of their looks, or because of their talent, or whatever, and people looking up to them like little idols and having little uh, 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 boards and pictures in their house and little shrines and all, they think they're somebody. But one day, the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My sister Portia said it best, is God and is God. I don't care what anybody thinks. You're going to know God as Lord and Savior, or you're going to know him as judge. And that's not the place where you want to be. Well, 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 well. It's getting quiet up in here. Well, because you know I'm telling the truth. Praise God. Tell your neighbor he must be talking about you right now, right now. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, babe. It, he, David did this to me, man. Where's David? You did it to me, bro. We were doing it all morning. They took up rocks, and they were going to kill the Lord. And in verse 32, you keep chapter 11 open, John 11. In verse 32, he, uh, uh, he says, Oh, excuse me, this one is, is chapter 10. He says, many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which one of these works do you wish to stone me? Isn't that the case? You think of the word nagging. Oh, here we go. Do you know what the reality is? The word nagging is telling the truth at the wrong time. That's all it is. You see, man of God, we tell our wife, you know, I think I'm going to hit the gym. I think I'm going to do it three times a week. I'm going to get in there. And then the next thing you know, at the most inappropriate time, you're sitting down having a meal or you're watching a UFC fight or you're, you're watching, you're getting ready to do some PlayStation or something. I don't know, whatever you do. And then your wife says, didn't you say he was going to go to the gym? 
What are you doing? Sit down. You got about two hours free. Why don't you get up and do something? All she's doing is prophesying back to the word you gave her. The man of God is saying, Pastor, won't you stop right now? Quit while you're ahead. Well. Right, brothers? One, two, three. Hallelujah. For which of these works do you try to stone me? And listen to what they said. It's not because of your good works, but it's because you're a man. And you're declaring yourself to be God. I love this answer, Lord. He says, if I do the works of my father, if I do not do the works of my father, then do not believe me. How simple is that? But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and that I am in him. Hallelujah. You would think this statement would say, you know, he's plausible. It's pretty, it's pretty right. It's pretty accurate. You, you would think it would change their understanding. But they got upset and they started picking up rocks. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen blind people see. They've seen deaf people hear. They've seen lame people get up and walk and take their mat. They've seen numerous miracles. Lepers healed. They've seen it. They've eaten the bread. They've eaten the fish. They've seen it. But they still picked up rocks. They were saying among themselves, ain't nobody got time for that. And the Bible, look at this. The Bible says Jesus escaped from their hands. So that means they ultimately grabbed him to try to carry him, to bring him somewhere, to stone him. And the Bible says Jesus escaped from their hands. This is important that we understand what's going on here. This is the history. Was he afraid? No way. The Bible says he later went pastor jordan and began to continue to preach and do miracles and do signs and wonders from among the people and the bible says many more converts many more people believed upon him and followed him now we're going to verse one in chapter 11 jesus receives a message that one of his bff forever friends lazarus was sick when you love somebody and you get a report that they're sick, if you are a child of God, the first thing you're going to do is you're not going to put up praying emojis on Facebook. I'm praying for you, girlfriend. I'm praying for you, bro. Or now you got the, the two hands. No, the minute you hear that they're sick, you first pray. You stop what you're doing. You pray. And then you put up the emojis if you want. Amen? Because oftentimes, and it's true, we say, I'm praying for you, bro. I'm praying for you, sister. And we forget to pray. We know that Jesus loved Lazarus. 
and Lazarus loved Jesus. They were friends. We don't know much about Lazarus himself. There's little that the Bible tells us. We know that Mary and Martha were his sisters and that he was their brother. I don't know if they were widowed, but in that season, if they lived with their brother, they might have been widowed or, or they might not have been married. Who knows? But the fact is they all lived together and Jesus had been in their house on several occasions and fellowship with them. They cooked meals for him. The Bible records Lazarus serving Jesus in his own house. We don't know his occupation. We don't know if he was married. We don't know if he had children. We don't even know his age. We don't know what he looked like. We don't know nothing about him other than his name and his relationship with his sisters. One thing we do know, many of you know this story, even people that don't read the word know this one, Lazarus was raised from the dead after four days of being dead. That means after decomposition, after rigor mortis set in, after he was funky. You ever had a blackout and your fridge lost its frost? And then you say, I hope the meat is still good. And you open up the door. You go, oh, it's like the most putrid, horrible stink. Yeah. You know, my wife is like, oh, you're a, you're a sissy. And I'm like, hur, 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 hur. you know, I, I had a cleaning company. I went to biohazard cleaning and all this other stuff. And when it really came down, I couldn't launch that business. Because I have, when it comes to those strong smells, I, I just can't do it. I have trouble changing mushy diapers. I can do the hard diapers, but I can't do the mushy ones. You know, the yellow all back up here. I may be a little TMI. And my wife is like, she's hardcore. She's like, get out the way. Get out the way. <laughs> Give me a wipey. Give me a pamper. Give me some desitin done the kids sometimes want to vomit they go here <laughs> it's true y'all laughing because you know it's true the love of a mother you guys will catch vomit like this is this is real love this is love on a different level kind of love that's why you need two in the house that's why you need a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, a father and a mother. That's a message for another day. But the raising of Lazarus from the dead was a turning point in the, midst, in the ministry of Jesus Christ. That means it was proof positive that Jesus was who he said he was and he had the power to do what he said he was going to do and who he is. <laughs> I'm taking this watch off, man. His resurrection proved and served as a witness to everybody there. This is indisputable proof. Now think about this. After he was raised from the dead, many Jews, the Bible records, they went back and reported this miracle to the Pharisees. The Pharisees immediately became indignant. They became upset and began to plot the death 
of Jesus Christ. They wanted to destroy all proof that Jesus was who he said he was. And what better way to do it than to take him out? But it gets worse than that. The Bible also records the proof that the Pharisees were also plotting to kill Lazarus because Lazarus was raised from the dead. They said, if we kill Jesus, Lazarus is still going to speak, so we got to kill him too. Think about this. That's what they try to do. Shut your mouth. That's what they try to do to the church, censor the church. That's why we get censored oftentimes on YouTube and Facebook. You start talking about things that people get uncomfortable hearing, they try to shut you down. The oldest trick in the book. We got to kill Lazarus. Now, the reality is we're not told in Scripture if the Pharisees ever carried out their plan. Because after we hear about them plotting Lazarus' death, he falls off the map. He's no longer spoken about in the Scripture. There's no evidence that Lazarus was ever killed after being raised. But there is evidence that the scripture just stopped mentioning his name. Once he was raised from the dead, the proof was in the pudding, and it's over. Assignment fulfilled, assignment complete. The same way Mary in heaven, hallelujah, after she was raised, uh, 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 to raising Jesus Christ, after she did her assignment, after she fulfilled everything, and she died, her assignment was complete. After Jesus heard, verse 11, after Jesus heard that Lazarus, his friend, was sick, he purposely waited two extra days before leaving for Bethany. Now listen, as we just read, Bethany was enemy territory number one. They had tried to kill Jesus. He had to escape from these very people. It was hostile to Jesus Christ. Hostile territory. Somebody say, he wasn't scared. He told his disciples, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. I'm going to talk about this three times today so we get it. Amen? Amen. The disciples heard that Lazarus was sleeping, and here's what they did. They tried to psychoanalyze this statement. Well, if Lazarus is sleeping then that means that he's ultimately going to wake up, right? So maybe we shouldn't go to Bethany. We should just let it be. We should just let it rest. We shouldn't go back because this was the very place where they were trying to kill you. We had to try to run for our lives. Don't you remember what took place over there? Maybe we could just avoid it altogether. Sometimes you can't avoid it. And I say this respectfully, but it's so important that we understand. Sometimes confrontation is healthy. Matter of fact, all the time. Confrontation is healthy. A lot of times people don't want to confront problems, don't want to confront situations. And what they do is they say, I'll just leave it in the hands of the Lord. I'll let God decide to deal with this one. I'm just going to pray. And now the problem that could have been handled is now escalated. And now the little snowball is now like a size of a car and it's rolling and getting speed and someone's going to get squashed. 
Sometimes we got to deal with stuff. Christians especially, we're notorious for this. Let's just pray about it. Yeah, prayer is powerful, and it should be the first resort. Yes, but ultimately, you got to deal with this. Right? Jesus says, love your brother. If you can't go to your brother or your sister, then what do we have? How about this? If you can't tell your pastor that you were upset about something or you're offended or whatever, listen, I think I'm the most approachable person on planet Earth. I might talk a big game, but the reality is I love everybody here. Amen? Now, if you come to me eight times for the same thing, I'm going to say, yo, man, get it together. Praise God. But the first eight times, we're going to sit down and have dialogue, and we're going to pray together. We're going to open up the word together. But see, we've got to be able to work things out according to the word of God. Otherwise, the enemy says, you should not go back to that church. You should not go back to that sister, that brother. You, you know, and now it's a big problem. Don't run away. Don't avoid the trip. Go. A lot of times, we humans, we always try to psychoanalyze. We try to figure out an alternative. Maybe he's not dead. Maybe if he's sleeping, maybe he'll wake up. So Jesus said, bro, dude, get it together. Our friend Lazarus is dead. He's deep sixed. He's dead. It said Jesus told them plainly. Look at verse 14 and 15. He said it plainly. Lazarus is dead. Does that leave any ambiguity? Any doubt? And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, whether you believe or not, let's go. Skip. Skip. My wife and I used to go, go. That's the Ebonics version of let's go to the restaurant. All right, praise God. Jesus is always trying to mature you in your faith. So many of us think we have this little bit of faith. We don't have enough faith for a headache. But it's amazing because the Bible says if you have faith as small as a muscle, you tell a mountain to go and throw itself in the sea and it shall obey you. It'll, you'll tell a big giant tree to uproot itself and throw itself in the sea and it shall obey you. But for some reason, when it comes to the subject of faith, we start doubting. But think about this. You could put a hot pocket in the microwave. You don't see the waves, but you know you're going to have a hot pocket bioengineered garbage food in 90 seconds am i telling the truth if you need to go to florida you gps an address and you get in the car and you trust that you're gonna go we have faith every one of us here have faith but when it comes to spiritual matters for some reason click we turn off the faith meter there's a more sinister plan. But Jesus is trying to help. I'm glad that you were not there so that you can believe. I want you to see it with your own eyes so that you can believe. So let's go. He's always helping us. Listen to Romans 1, 16, 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. 
for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And as is it written, the just shall live by faith. That means God wants to take us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. He wants us to level up in our walk, level up in our talk, level up in our life, level up in our job, level up in our home, level up in our church. Stop making excuses and level up. Praise God. Faith to faith. Know who we are in Christ Jesus. If he doesn't give up on us, we shouldn't give up on him. Last week, we spoke about believing and the power of believing. Praise God. And 90% of those that were here early, it's on the video. They all came up here. We anointed everybody. Our sister, I talked about you this morning. Praise God. It was good stuff. Praise God. But I'm going to say it again. Our sister heard the live stream, and she said, I got to get to church. And as she was driving in, she received her healing from the live stream that was being broadcasted out. God can do exceedingly and abundantly above what we could ever help or hope for. And when she got to church, praise God, at the end of service, they prayed for her, anointed her, and she received even more from the Spirit of God. How many came up here last week believing in your miracle? Your resurrection moment. I want to give you words to bring encouragement to you. It says in Hebrews 11.6, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe. Are you getting the message? We've been singing songs about believing. We've been talking about, are you getting this? He, whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We sang a song, we must believe. My sister gave me the, the googly eyes. Pastor Daisy, you're like, really, bro? 70s, really? Yeah, because the message is true. We must believe in him. We must be. It's so simple, a caveman can understand that. We've got to remember in the dark what Jesus speaks to us in the light. Yeah. Hallelujah. Remember Jesus' disciples in the book of Mark when Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And then the minute he says that, a storm comes. A tempest. It's not just a, a regular storm, but a tempest. And he's in the, in the boat and the bow of the boat in the bottom. And he's just sleeping. And they're like, yo, wake up the master. We're about to perish out here. The waves are coming in. The water's coming in. And all he can do is sleep. Somebody wake him up. This boat is going to capsize. We're going to die. And, of course, we know this powerful man, this wonderful Savior, he gets up out of the boat and he goes, really, bro? Really? And he stands out. Peace. Be still. What manner of man? 
is this. That even the winds and the waves obey him. At the sound of his word. Because God has said, come and let us go to the other side. If we were paying attention to the word and we just trusted in the word, yeah, it doesn't look right. Yeah, there's a major storm going on. But I'm just going to wear my overcoat and I'm going to ride this thing out. Because the Lord said, come and let us go to the other side. So that means the boat is not going to capsize. We're going to reach our destination. Instead, we should say, Lord, give me the calmness of the master. Oh, God, let me walk like he's walking. Let me sense that peace in my heart. Listen, I want to encourage everybody in this room. Some of you are going to get up and probably run around the building, and it's all right. This is your chance. God said this house is going to have their own building. And then immediately after the word came, we were kicked out. No, no, you, you got to get, I'm, I'm going to go slow on this one. I'm going to go slow on this one because you guys got to get this. You don't see no fear up here, right? Praise God. Oh, I'm just checking. God gives us a word, several prophetic words. We're going to have our own building. Hallelujah. We had three days to victory. Hallelujah. We've seen signs and wonders and deliverance and miracles. Hallelujah. You're going to have your own building. And then, boom, the landlord comes in and kicks us out into the street. Does that make God a liar? No. God took us out of an old small building that we had packed up within the first two months of arrival that we've been cramped and busted up. And God said, landlord, get them out of there so I could prune them, so that I could unite them, so I could get them ready, so I could have them work together, so I could build up my people, so I could strengthen their faith, so that they could believe in the word that was given to them, so they could see that I I have b bigger things in store. He's got to prune our thinking. He's got to chop off the dead branches. he got to chop off some dead stuff that's up in here to resurrect our thought process. Sometimes some of you have gotten a word, and the minute the word came, you're dancing and shouting for joy. And the very next thing, boom, hallelujah. And you say, <laughs> I can't believe this is happening to me. <laughs> you better turn to your neighbor and say, man up, hallelujah. Woman up, hallelujah. Get it together, praise God. Don't you know the word that God spoke? It shall come to pass. Hallelujah. You might be in the middle right now. But God starts in the positive and he ends in the positive. There is no negative in him. Even the negative test, even the storm is to give you the tools and the equipping and the strengthening of your faith. So when you step in your office, hallelujah, you step in the authority of God, in the power of the Holy Ghost. And you start saying, man, I've been through too much. I've been through too much to turn back now. 
You got Long Face Larry, Debbie Downers, Negative Nellies, Hallelujah, Nincompoop Nicks. You got all them people. <laughs> the Lord bless you. Hallelujah. The Lord love you. Hallelujah. Because I know who I am in Christ. I know what I've been through. I've counted the cost. So many people want the blessing. They want the favor. Pastor, I, I want to come and preach at your church. But you don't even go to church. You're not a member of any church. You're not even a good steward. You're robbing God. But you want to put your mouth on that microphone when God says, I want no strange fires in this house. I ain't going to get no amens. Well, 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 up in here. Well, 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 well. I ain't scared of nobody up in here. I'm on assignment. And the mission is going to be fulfilled. Well, 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 well. I hope you like me after this one. But even if you don't, I still love you well. I'm going to hear it at lunch today from my wife. So let me get it out of my system. Well, help me, Jesus, redeem the time up in here. Well, he's got to prune our thinking. He's got to reorder, reestablish our steps. He wants to put you on a firm foundation. Stop complaining. Stop doubting. Start trusting. He said all things are possible if you can believe. Mary and Martha. <laughs> now I get it. Praise God. Let me not mock them. I could imagine losing a brother or a sister. Oh, my God. It's painful. I've lost my sister. But she was in glory. I know she, she, she knew the Lord. But it's something, losing someone is never easy, praise God. But here's the thing, they were so emotionally distraught. And when they heard that Jesus was coming, Martha said, what? The master's coming? She ran out to meet him. And what was the first thing she said? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. So they knew Jesus had power. They knew who he was. But they didn't know what was for them. If you were here, my brother would not have died. And Mary, who didn't even have the, 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 she was so distraught, she stayed home. She didn't even want to come out of her house. And later they ran out to meet Mary and said, Jesus, the master is here. She said, what? She ran out too. She went to Jesus. And what do you think she said to Jesus? If you were here, my brother would not have died. Well, listen to the words of Jesus. All right, I got to stop that. Hey, Amen. Listen to what he said. Verse 23, your brother will rise again. Woo! 
There's an album, Walls of Glass, Russ Taft. There's a song in there. Jesus said it. I believe it. I believe it because he said it. And I know, yes, I know, yes, I know he's going to see me through. Jesus said it. And you just go on and on. Amen. But Jesus said it. If he said it, I believe it. It's satisfied. It's a done deal. Why? Because he said it. And if he said it, I know, yes, I know, yes, I know, he's going to see it through. We've got to trust his heart even when we can't even see his hand. Hallelujah. We've got to trust the Lord even when it don't even make sense. Let me give an example. Some of us, we come to church. Most people come to church and they don't give a second thought of the chair that they're going to sit on, they just have blind faith that the chair is going to hold their body up. So we come to church and we say, hmm. Why? Because we believe, we trust, we have faith to believe that the chair is going to hold up our weight capacity. But it's funny because as I've gotten bigger, I start to look at the weight load of seats. I'm keeping it real up in here. <laughs> Can I get an amen, my brother? I know man's got to know his limitations up in here. I remember I, I, I played congas. I'm a, I was a percussionist for a little while. And one day I was trying to show off. How many know when you try to show off, God don't like that? I was in my kitchen. I was like, yo, check this pattern I just learned. I brought three coins. Doing some elbows. I had a garden chair. You know those plastic garden chairs? Click. I went right down. The leg broke. And the congas fell all over and there was no recovery <laughs> that embarrassment lasted to this day that's why the chairs as sole purpose guess what they're weighted for 1200 pounds I don't know anybody in this place my wife and I she could sit on my lap it tearing on nowhere but when you go through something, guess what? You learn, right? But from that experience, not that I was traumatized. <laughs> the Lord delivered me. But my thinking has changed. And sometimes you go to these little parties, baby showers and all that, and these people get the rental seats that are weighted for 200. Most of you in this room will be fine with that. But I would say, oh, are there any other chairs up in here, up in here? I'm not trying to bust one of these bad boys. But here's the thing. The reverse is also true. If we believe the chair is going to hold us up, but we never sit on it, then we're not acting out in faith. Faith is acting out what you believe God's word says to be true. I said it earlier in our time of prayer. Many of us, we get appliances, we get battery-powered stuff, and we try to say, hey, but it's not working. We're hitting it. We're testing it. We're hitting it. We're, you know, and we forget it's just 
flip the switch. Turn the power on. Access the power and everything's going to function properly. We've got to turn the power switch. Guess what? Faith for the life of a believer is the power switch to the release of God's power in your life. Because without it, it's impossible to please God. It's funny that not much is ever discussed in many sermons that I've heard about Mary and Martha about their lack of faith. But here Jesus says, your brother is going to rise again. And here we go again. They start to uh, uh, psychoanalyze. What is he saying? Well, I think he's going to rise again in the last day. I think he's going to rise again in the day of the Lord. Why do we try to psychoanalyze the things that God says? It's always the case. It's crazy. If you think of the centurion soldier, listen, this guy was a heathen. But he showed that he had more faith than the two sisters combined. They knew Jesus personally. They had fellowship with him in his own house. The centurion who only heard about Jesus, heard about the miracles, he said, man, that's all I need. I have enough to believe that if I could find this guy, this Jewish guy who claims to be the Christ or the king or whatever he calls himself, I believe enough that if I see him, my servant is going to live. And he went out and sought Jesus. He was a man under authority. Can you imagine what he had to go through to kneel down before the presence of God and say, I need your help for a Roman centurion who's in charge of a legion of soldiers to ask a Jew for help? He could have been executed. He could have been on that cross next to Jesus if his people were to turn him in. But he loved his servant. And he says, can you heal my servant? My servant is sick. He's more like a son than a servant. I love him. I've raised him since he was a baby. You want me to come to your house, right? That's what you want? No. My house is dirty. My house is defiled. My house is corrupt. But I know that because I'm a man under authority, I know that you're under authority as well. I know that all you got to do is speak the word. And it's going to pierce right through the atmosphere. It's going to go right to my servant's heart and it's going to heal him. So I don't need for you to come to my house. I don't need a doctor visit. All I need is your word. Woo! And Jesus, he marveled at this type of faith. He said, I've not seen this type of faith in all of Israel. He says, go. Your faith has healed your servant hmm sometimes we just gotta hear the word and when we hear it we gotta act upon it my wife was reminding me about a certain uh, a thing that happened the very first miracle when jesus turned water into wine he had uh, the mother mary she went to him says son listen they ran out of wine you gotta do something my time has not yet come he said listen bro don't give me that right now we need help we need some wine. We got to keep the party going. He says, all right, I'll help you. She rounds up a couple of guys and says, listen, this is what she said. This is wisdom. She said, do whatever he tells you to do. And she turned around and walked away. That's, it. That's the formula. Do 
whatever he tells you to do and don't question it, don't psychoanalyze it, don't try to be a, 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 a super intellectual person and rationalize. Just do what he tells you to do. Listen, God's word is the doctor. God's word is the medicine. God's word is the life. God's word is absolute power. God's word is resurrection. If he spoke it, it's a done deal. When, oh, when are we going to understand this fact? This is why Jesus says all the time, oh, ye of little faith, how long must I contend with thee? Luke 137, for with God nothing, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. Brother David, give it to me. Nothing. That even, you do it better than me, man. I'm going to point at you, man. You're with me now today, right? You and me, we're here, right, bro? That was good, brother. Well, 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 well. All right, all right, praise God. Saints of God, I got to ask you a serious question. How many right now, currently, I'm not asking for the details, just a hand, a sign of hands. How many of us right now in this room are apparently going through the trial of their life? Quietly, the trial of your life. The fact that you're here is a miracle of God. Okay, I want to give you a word today that's going to help you. If you could apply this word, your season will be shortened. Your reward will be waiting for you at the end. And you will find yourself in the presence of the living God. Are you ready for the solution? Here's how you get out from wherever you are right now. You go into God's word and you find what God's word says about your situation and you read it out loud because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word and we know that we've all been given a measure of faith that means you have enough already don't let the devil make you think you don't have it and then he says without faith it is impossible so you're saying well God you mean you want me to activate my faith so that I will please you because faith that's not active is dead faith and that man shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. So in order for me to please you, I'm going to find what your word says about this situation. And I'm going to apply it to my life. And I'm going to start walking in it like it's a done deal. Why? Because Jesus said it. I believe it. I believe it because he said it. And I know. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. He's going to see it through. That's the solution because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I bring dead things back to life. I blow, I blow my breath, my Zoe breath upon them and they come back to life. Do not accept the ruse of inheritance of the enemy, the trickery, the snake. Psalm 16, 5. It says, oh, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. 
Hallelujah. Psalm 37, 18. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. Psalm 47, verse 4, the first part of it, it says, He will choose our inheritance for us. My second point. We're only on the second point. Hallelujah. Jesus holds the greatness of all power known ever to mankind. There's nothing I can think of that's greater than raising someone from the dead. Remember Jesus said in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Martha, take that word literally. Saints of God, take the word literally. Don't try to psychoanalyze it. Don't try to put your mental spin on it. Don't try to put your, your little take on it. Don't even say to God, well, let me circle back and let me get back to you. Circle back. Everybody's saying, let me circle back now. No, he said it. You operate. You start walking in it. Again, she says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Well, he's standing there right now. He's right in front of your face, and you're still talking about if, if, if. He said, your brother will rise again. Boom. I'll take it to the bank, Lord. Let's go. Let me show you where he's at. If anybody can do it, you can. I don't need to understand. I don't need to have all the answers. Just do it, Lord. And she got all intellectual. Well, I know. That on the last day, you're going to raise him up on the last. Why do we try to figure God out? It's, a, it's amazing. Listen, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.14, write this down, highlight it. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The flesh always works against the spirit this is why so many christians are powerless christians so many christians who claim to read the word they stay in the logos and they never get the rhema the bible says the letter of the law kills but the spirit gives life the flesh profits for nothing hallelujah do you think God wants to keep his word a mystery? No. He wants to reveal himself to us. But I love the Lord because he still doesn't give up on us. Even though Martha allowed stinking thinking to limit the Lord's promise, even so, Jesus said, take me to him. The promise was fulfilled. Lazarus rose again that day, and he's going to rise again in the next resurrection. Hallelujah. I say this almost in every meeting in this house. By now you should know, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, every believer, those that have fallen asleep, that means those who have died in the faith, are going to rise again one day, and those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds of glory, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. That day is coming so quickly, sooner than ever. Verse 18, it says, Therefore comfort one another with these words. Those who have died will be raised first, and then we, alive, I believe we're that generation, we're going to be raised second. Listen. 
Jesus is all-powerful. He's all-powerful. His nature, his very essence is power. Power to raise the dead. I want you to think about this because there are movies of people trying to play games with the dead. Well, let's put them to death and then we'll try to raise them up with our medical expertise. That doesn't always happen. There's no scientist, no theologian, no doctor, no president, no governor, no dignitary, or any of the like that has the power to raise anyone, not even themselves, from the dead. As a matter of fact, you look at many religious books, including the Quran and others. There's so many of them out there. You'll never read about any God, little g God, raising anyone from the dead. If Muhammad was Allah's servant, why didn't Allah raise him up? Why is not Muhammad still walking on earth? How come nobody talks about that? And even if anyone did claim, I haven't read all those books, but even if there's one claim that somebody was raised to death, where's the proof? There's no proof. Jesus said it, I believe it, but more importantly, he proved it. Let me give you some proofs. I was going to type it out, but if you want, I'll put it on the, the group page. But listen, there are 14 evidences. I'm going to read them really quick. I have all the verses to, to coincide with this, but Jesus showed up after the resurrection to Mary Magdalene. He showed up to the women returning to the tomb. He showed up to Peter later in the day. He showed up to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He showed up to the apostles except for Thomas. He showed up to the apostles a week later and now Thomas is present. He showed up in Galilee to the seven by the lake of Tiberias. He showed in Galilee on a mountaintop to the apostles and 500 believers. He showed up in Jerusalem at Bethany and again to James. He showed up at Olivet and he ascended into heaven in the clouds of glory. He showed up again to Paul on the Damascus road. He showed up to Stephan outside of Jerusalem. He showed up to Paul at the temple and he showed up again to John in the island of Patmos. Jesus showed up after he died and he rose again and the resurrection is proof positive that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Lazarus foreshadowed things to come. Remember, he said, remove the stone. And Martha complaining again, rational thinking. The logos, well, he's been dead for four days. He's funky. He stinks. He, he, he's probably decomposing. Verse 40, listen. And when God has to do this, it's almost like a shake in my head moment, like... Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Lazarus, come forth. He didn't go, Lazarus. No, power. If he would have just said, come forth, everybody that have ever died would have raised up from the dead again. Look at this, Revelations 4.1. It's important because we talked about this a few weeks ago when, when he said that I am the door. It says, Revelations 4.1, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here. That door, Jesus Christ, 
the voice of God is going to say, come. And that day, everybody in this room who's a child of God, we're going to learn how to fly, kid. Last point. When Jesus extends the promises of God, his greatest promise, he says in verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Every one of us in this room are alive right now. If you've ever lived and you believe in the word of God, you will never die. Your body, your temple will perish. We're not meant to live in this temple forever, but your spirit belongs to the Lord. And you will live forever and ever. And you're going to get a new body, glorified body. I can't wait to be thin again. <laughs> Man, you feel me, Papa? You feel me? You feel me, Papa? Well... Saints of God, life is so short. Even the very longest life, I've read articles about this place in Japan where they eat nothing but rice and vegetables and stuff and they live off the land. They farm, a farming community. They don't buy anything from the supermarkets. These people are living to 125 years old. It's normal over there. Even that size of a life is nothing. It's a vapor compared to eternity. According to the psalmist, 70 to 80 years old is what we're expected today. Psalm 90 verse 10, it says, The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. That means even if we live to 80, hallelujah, we have a few in the room here today. Praise God. Sister Carol had a birthday this week. Brother David, well, had a birthday this week. Brother Nelson had a birthday. And our brother James is, today is his birthday. 85, my brother. Brother, brother James, I want to be like you when I grow up, man. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. I believe you, brother. But even if you have that size of a life, it means nothing in comparison to eternity. Jesus, the bread from heaven, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, he promises life that lasts. These are his words, the same words he gave to Martha. He said, though he may die, yet shall he live. He who believes on me shall never die. Everlasting life is so much better than 70 to 80 years old. Everlasting life is yours through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus' nature is absolute power. He says, I am the resurrection. Here's the significance that the same power is accessible to you and to me. We talked about it last week. If we place our trust in him 
and faith in him, no matter what, we will have what we believe through him and his word. We must know that all things are going to work out because God raises dead things back to life. He can resurrect your past. He can resurrect your future. He can give you new life and that more abundantly. He can call you up to be with him forever and ever. I'm going to close with an illustration. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, do not be a peanut butter and jelly Christian. You ready to break it down? There was a, a poor man who had saved for several years to go on a cruise. He had never been on one before, but he wanted to have this experience before his life had come to an end. This was a bucket list wish for him. So he had finally saved enough money and purchased his ticket. He thought that he would pack his bags and then prepared for himself 14 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He hoped that that would be enough to get him by for the entire cruise. As he set off, he was astonished of how beautiful the ship was. Each day he would sit on the deck and eat his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He noticed that people were walking by him with umbrella drinks, with food platters, and all kinds of tasty-looking treats. He walked in the hallways, and he would see people, the waiters, bringing steaks and chops and lobsters and shrimp to the cabin rooms. He figured to himself, maybe I could afford to buy something similar or at least even one dish before this cruise ends. So as he walked down the hall, he asked the porter, Dear sir, how much would one of those dinner plates cost me? The porter said, bruh. All of this food and drink is included in the price of your ticket. There are a lot of peanut butter and jelly Christians that are still eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches instead of the mega meal. And they look at other Christians and wonder, how is it that they're eating so well when all I could afford is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Why are my brothers and sisters eating steak and potatoes and calamari with Thai chili sauce? When all I ever eat is this lousy peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's because you haven't turned on the switch. 
It's because you don't know what's available to you because you haven't read the ticket carefully. You're just happy to have a ticket. You're just happy to have a boarding pass. You're just happy to have an insurance policy. But if you knew all that was available to you, all that was included in the ticket, you would be riding through life on the very best cruise of your entire life. And your end destination, you would disembark in paradise, in glory, and forever. Do you know the greatest person that ever walked on earth? And I'm going to say it because I sense the spirit of God. Why do they always pick white Jesus? I get it. I hear it in my spirit. The Bible says Jesus had bronze skin and hair like wool. He was a brother. But for lack of available photographs, we use Jesus of Nazareth from the movie Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Can I continue up here? Praise God. Are we, we back? Well, 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 well. Don't manifest up in here because I put some oil on you. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, we are all members of one another. Remember we read a few weeks ago, we're all of one blood. One blood. We don't look at pigmentation. We're all blood inside. The blood of Jesus. Life is in the blood. Just had to say it. Let me go back. Do you know the greatest person that ever walked on earth? Are you resting in his greatest power for your life? No matter what the situation you find yourself in. Are you trusting in his great promises? That his yes is yes and his amen to amen, especially to those who believe. More importantly, do you know and do you now possess everlasting life? God bless you. Saints of the Most High God. Praise God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.